0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it.
1: Good morning. We've come to the last of our Beatitudes. So we've been going through this series, you'll know, on the Beatitudes, and we've now come to the the final one. And... When you when you preach a little bit, um, you, you quite often find that um, you'll come to a passage and you'll think, I, God, I just don't I don't feel qualified to speak on this. Um, and boy, is this a passage that I don't feel qualified to speak on. But actually, do you know, really, no passage in the Bible am I qualified to speak on. <laughs> it's his word. And when we come to hear his word, we come to allow him by his spirit to tell us and to teach us what he would have us learn today. And so my prayer in a moment is going to be that you will receive whatever it is the Lord has for you today. And he will have something for you because his word is inerrant. His word is God-breathed. And so as we come to it, Let's expect him to speak to us. I'm not qualified, but he is. And so let's come with expectant hearts. So first I'm going to read you the passage, and then we'll pray together. So it's Matthew chapter 5, and it's verses 10 through to 12. That's the final of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness... Father, we thank you for your precious, inerrant word. We thank you that it is your very word breathed to us. And this morning, I pray that you would speak directly into our hearts. I pray that you will burn away anything that is from me. And that what will be left will be distilled, refined words that come direct from your heart to the hearts of your people. That we will grow as a result of it that we will mature in our most holy faith, that will, it will equip us for works of service. Lord, we're asking that you will do something in our hearts today that makes us more like Christ, and we ask it in his name and for your glory. Amen. Well, this week, uh, David Cameron met with uh, Christian leaders on Thursday. He apparently, since he's been prime minister every year at Easter, he has held a reception at 10 Downing Street for Christian leaders. And he did so this Thursday. And he said this, it is the case that Christians are now the most persecuted religion around the world. And uh, the the, uh, secretary of state for religion, uh, a woman called Baroness Varsi, She's quite recently been to the United States, and the main agenda item that she had was to stir up the West to look seriously at the issue of Christian persecution. She herself is not a Christian, she's a Muslim, and yet she recognises that actually Christianity at this particular period in time is the most persecuted religion in the world. There's this quote from the magazine The Spectator that came out in October of last year. According to the International Society for Human Rights, a secular observatory based in Frankfurt, Germany, 80% of all acts of religious discrimination in the world today are directed at Christians, 80%. Statistically speaking, that makes Christians by far the most persecuted religious body on the planet. The journalist then goes on to say, in truth, Christians face a bewildering variety of threats with no single enemy and no single strategy best adopted to curb the violence. You can tell in his voice that he is bewildered. There is a sense of bewilderment at the persecution of Christians. Now, we do have to be careful Because when you talk, and certainly when journalists talk about the persecution of Christians, it can be the persecution of people groups who are labelled Christians. So if you're as old as me, you will have lived through the reports of the troubles in Northern Ireland and the constant battle between Catholic and Protestant. And I think many, many genuine followers of Christ would not have wanted to associate themselves with with what was said on both sides of that debate because people who label themselves Christians are not always followers of Christ. And so we have to be careful when we hear statistics about Christians being persecuted, and certainly it is the case, but we just have to be slightly careful about not aligning ourselves with just a people group that labels itself Christian or labels itself Muslim. So that certainly is the case. But nevertheless, it is interesting, isn't it, that this journalist is just bewildered. One of the things that he looks at in his article is he looks at the percentage of Christians who are persecuted in Islamic countries. And he comes to the conclusion at the end that it's not to do with that, because persecution of Christians is widespread. It's not just in Islamic countries. It's not just that this is a battle between Islam and Christianity, And he is bewildered by it. He is bewildered by it. uh, Some some researchers believe that in the last 10 years, in each year in the last decade, 100,000 Christians have been killed. And this research is not people who label themselves Christian. This is research that looks at at people who... uh, It talks about um, an active Christian witness. So people with an active Christian witness, it's estimated that 100,000 of those are killed every year and have been in the last decade. One of the things that, I'm, that we're going to do this morning uh, t- at some stage, I'm going to ask John just to come up and lead us in praying for the persecuted church. And it's good for us to align ourselves with those who are going through more than we can ever possibly imagine. And so at some stage towards the end, I'll get John up to lead us just to pray for the persecuted church. But Jesus was not bewildered by the fact that persecution was going to come. Jesus says when you are persecuted, not if. It is no surprise to him. So let's look at why persecution comes. We're going to look at why it comes. We're going to look at what our response might be to it. And we're going to look at this amazing thing where he said, blessed are you. Now, R.T. Kendall says that that word blessed, you can almost sum it up in the word that Jesus is almost saying, congratulations. Congratulations. You've achieved it. You've got there. You've reached the pinnacle. This is the final beatitude. You've reached the pinnacle, guys, when you're persecuted. Rejoice when you are reviled. What on earth does that mean? Well, we'll look at it towards the end. Why does persecution come? Well, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Because of righteousness. So he doesn't say, blessed are you if you're persecuted just because you have a label that says you're a Christian. He says, Blessed are you if you're persecuted when you are persecuted because of righteousness. Paul says this when he writes to Timothy. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Does that cheer you up this morning? <laughs> everyone. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We're persecuted because of righteousness. <laughs> righteousness, that word means Right-wiseness, that's how it's actually literally translated. It means being wise and understanding what's the difference between right and wrong. It's understanding what God's sense of being right is. And when we are saved and begin to understand, as he begins to communicate to us what that means, what righteousness means, we can expect to hit opposition and persecution. Because... He's teaching us what's right. And when we are living out of what we believe he's telling us is right, we are going to hit persecution. It comes because we don't belong to the world. So listen to what Jesus says, recorded in John's Gospel. He explains to us why we're going to be hated. He says this. In John 15, verse 18, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, he says, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. We hit persecution and opposition because we don't belong to the world. But I love that little bit of hope that comes at the end. Listen to this. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Paul talks about us being an aroma. He talks about us being a fragrance. He says to those who are being saved, you're the fragrance of Christ. You're bringing a fragrance of life. But to those who are perishing, you're bringing a fragrance of death. The wonderful thing is that we will bring the fragrance of life to those who are being saved. But there is an inevitability that we will also bring the fragrance of death to those who are perishing. That means that there is an inevitability that when we live a righteous and godly life, we will face opposition and we will face persecution. Christians are persecuted when they encounter the world's hostility to God. Do you know that? It's not personal. Sometimes we can feel that. Sometimes if you're in the workplace or you're in, even in your family and you're just facing opposition because you're a Christian now and because that's how you're trying to live and because there's certain things that you just won't do and there's compromises that you're unhappy about and sometimes you'll put your hand up and say that's not right and, and you hit opposition and you, we can tend to feel like, oh, this is personal, it's something about me. But it's not. They're opposing God in you. When we hit Opposition and persecution. We are facing the world's hostility to him. That's what we're facing. Do you know what? If you face a little bit of opposition now and then, and a bit of persecution, you should be glad. Because it shows you've got him in you. It shows that his Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. And he's saying, Well done. When we face opposition, don't take it personally. If you don't take it personally, it will also help you not to react against it. When you are able to take a step back and recognize, no, God, this I haven't don't seem to have done anything wrong. I don't think I've sinned, I don't think I've been unwise. I'm getting this flack. Ah, oh, it must be it must be about you, God. This must be about you. It must be because I'm must be because I'm living out you. Be encouraged if you hit opposition. If you hit insults, it probably means that you're living out a life that's pleasing to him. <coughs> Be encouraged. It can come from really unexpected sources. I was reading um, a book by R.T. Kendall, the same one that Owen's been reading, it's where he writes about the Beatitudes, and one of the things that he says, so R.T. Kendall was minister for, of Westminster, Westminster Chapel for about 10, 10, 12 years, and one of the things that he says is that in his ministry he has faced more persecution and opposition from within the church than outside it. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's a bit indicting, isn't it, actually? It's a bit... I think, gosh. He hit more opposition from inside the church than he did from outside. Now, now, that is humbling for us, and it means that we should check ourselves. But it also is an illustration for me powerfully of what Jesus says when he says not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will see the kingdom. Do you know what? Sometimes there are even people in our churches who might say Lord, Lord, but may not see the kingdom. Sometimes we might even face opposition from the most unexpected places. I know of people who've faced opposition from families when they've become Christians. They've been asked difficult questions, been ostracized. And it's painful. The people who should be there to support you and stand with you are the very ones who are now questioning you, who are now holding you to account, who are now telling you that you've given up all your intellectual integrity to, to, to go after some pipe dream. <clears throat> what what are you facing when, when you're facing that? You're facing their opposition to him. Not necessarily their opposition to you, but their opposition to him. What does it mean? It means you're being faithful. It means God's smiling on you. It means you can step back and say, this, God, this isn't about me. Help me to respond in a right way because I, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. How should we respond to persecution? Well, I think we're taught some different ways of responding to it. The first one would be, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Jesus has said when. This is what Peter says when he writes. Peter, in his letters, writes quite a lot about persecution to the the churches he writes to. And he says this in 1 Peter 4. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you what he says. Don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised by it. Do you know, sometimes sometimes I've I, and I probably have been this Christian myself, but certainly sometimes I've met Christians who have just expressed a level of surprise that life's so difficult. Why am I facing this? I don't understand it. I must be under attack. Well, yeah, you are. <laughs> and there's a level of surprise over it. And and, you know, this isn't how it's supposed to be and, and, and let's get the church together and pray against it. And I'm not saying that that's not sometimes the right thing to do, but do you know what? Sometimes we just shouldn't be surprised. We just shouldn't be surprised by it. We shouldn't let it undermine our faith. I remember a guy who became a Christian on an Alpha course and um He became a Christian in a marvelous and wonderful way, and but but he reminded me ever so much of that seed that's sown on the rocky ground where the roots don't go down deep. Uh, And after a little while, he fell away, and it was because life was difficult. And he said, "This isn't supposed to happen now." I remember sitting in his front room. You know, I've come to I've come now become a Christian. This isn't supposed to happen now. My life's not supposed to be difficult now. Actually, yes, yes. sorry, it is. It It will. It's not a surprise. It shouldn't take us by surprise. Don't let the devil pull the rug from under your feet. If you face opposition and you're tempted to think, oh, God, this, this, this shouldn't be happening to me. Well, do you know what? No, it shouldn't have happened to him. But he says because it happened to him, it will happen to us. Don't be surprised. We're taught, don't be surprised. Trust your defence to God. Trust your defence to God. (coughs) This is what Jesus says when he sends the disciples out. He says, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about what you should do to defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour what you should say. Do not be anxious. Trust your defense to him. Do you ever go through this process? I do it less now. Thank the Lord I do it less now. Uh, But I used to do it a lot. Do you ever rehearse in your head what you're going to say? When you've had a bad day or when you've had a bit of angst with someone else? Do you know? Do you ever go through that process where you think, yeah, well, when I see them again, I'm going to (laughs) say. You go through this fantasy in your head of what, of what it could look like. Um, do you know, I had, a, I had a small example of it this week where I just thought, God, you've still got to do some stuff with me. I came out of, I came out of this big Sainsbury's called Saver Centre, which is in Sydenham. And I came out of the door, and there were three cash points, okay? And there was one person in front of each cash point. Dum, dum, dum. And I came out of the door, and I went and stood behind one of them. And I stood there, and she was there for quite a long time. And, and then I noticed that there were other people who were like in the middle and they'd made one line, one queue. And, and I thought, yeah, no, but I've been here the longest. <laughs> and I've been standing here behind this person. I'm going to stay here, actually, because otherwise I'll look really stupid if I go to the back of that because I've been to stay here. And so the lady finishes and I walk forward and, of course, the bloke, he says, oh, there is a queue, mate. And I said, yeah, but I've been waiting longer. I thought, oh, you still want to justify yourself, Phil, don't you? You still want to justify yourself. Um, and afterwards, I analysed what I'd done. Oh, yeah, no, what was that about, God? That was about me wanting to defend myself. I was here first. I should know, I, was, I don't care whether you started a queue there. You can start where you like. I was, I, you know, I was in the car afterwards, and I found myself doing it. I was thinking, right, if I speak to that bloke again, then what I would say to him next time is I'd say, oh. what am I doing? I'm trying to defend myself. Do you know what? He's taken the role of our defender now. We're not to wrestle it back from him. The minute I try and wrestle it back from him, that's what happens. I get anxious. The other thing I get is I get angry and I'm not out acting out of love. I did not love that man in the queue when he said in a loud voice so that everybody else in the queue could hear, there is a queue mate. I did not love him at that moment. And I didn't love him for a moment in the car when I was rehearsing what I would have said if if I'd thought about it a bit more at the time. What that shows me is that when I take on the role of my own defender, I lose the very thing that he tells me I'm to do, which is to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me the minute I take on the role of defender. I am not my defender, he is. Trust your defense to God when you are facing opposition and persecution for righteousness' sake. Trust your defense to God and let your own right to defend yourself go. Lay down your rights. Lay down your rights. So preparing yourself for persecution, preparing yourself for opposition. We know we're going to face it. It's good to prepare for it. How do we prepare for it? We get our arguments ready. No, we don't. What does Jesus say? He says, do not resist an evil person. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat. Pray for those who persecute you. Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. You can tell the passion in him when he says this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Wow. That's how we prepare ourselves for opposition. And persecution. We prepare ourselves by laying down our rights. Remain deep-rooted. Remain deep rooted. How are we to respond when we face opposition? Well, one of the best ways is to remain deep-rooted. Jesus talked, as I've said already in that parable, about the person who falls away as being the one who's not deep-rooted when they first face persecution. Make sure your roots are down deep. It will help you on the evil day. Paul talks in Romans where we heard that passage this morning about the full armour of God, putting on the full armour of God. And Paul talks in that passage about the inevitability of the evil day. How do we prepare for it? We have our roots down deep. We have our roots down deep. We remain close to him. One of, the, one of the psalms that I would recommend for you if you ever go through trial and trouble is Psalm 27. And David went through a lot of trouble. He went through a lot of persecution. When he writes about it, it comes deep from the heart. And he says, For he will hide me in the shelter... In the day of trouble, in his shelter in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Psalm 27 is a great psalm to read if you're feeling opposed, if you're feeling under the cosh. Keep your roots down deep. Stay in the Bible. Talk with your Christian brothers and sisters. Pray. Do you know what? Sometimes we need other people around us who can help us with perspective, who can pray with us when we're going through it so that we remain right, so that our hearts remain right. You will go through a battle. It will be a battle. You will go backwards and forwards. You will think one day you've conquered it, and the next day you will have that feeling of anger bubbling up inside you about that unjust treatment you've had. And every day is a battle, every day but you're not alone in it. Do you know one of the enemy's ploys? It will be to pick you off individually. It's to pick us off one at a time. That's what he loves to do. That's why it's good that we are together. That's why when you are facing stuff, for goodness sake, share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't think to yourself, I'm I'm a mature enough Christian now to face this stuff myself. (laughs) Don't do that share it. When the apostles were put in prison, what did the rest of the disciples do? They all prayed. When Peter was in prison, they all prayed. We are here for each other in this. If you don't, you will be picked off. It will be really hard for you to stand. Now it's not impossible because we know that lots of our brothers and sisters who are persecuted are doing exactly that. They don't have access to the church. They don't have access to their families. They're on their own. And his grace is sufficient. But while we have each other, his grace is found here. Don't ever try and go through it alone. How are we taught to respond? We're taught to consider him. Consider him, the writer to the Hebrew says who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Do you know, I remember about 30 years ago uh, when I was uh, connected in with a young people's group at a church that I was at, and we we had fantastic youth leaders, and I remember going round to their house. I was probably about 16, 17, so it's more than 30 years ago. Um, I went round to their house and they lived in an upstairs flat and, it, and they, they had to sleep in the same room as their front room and they had, by then either, they had by then two or three children. And they lived upstairs in this flat. They couldn't afford anything else. And downstairs their landlady lived and she was a cantankerous old lady who had really taken against them. And I remember going round to see them once and the wife said... To me that she had been complaining to God about their living circumstances. She'd been complaining to God, how God, how much longer are we going to do that? And she said that she had one of those moments that sometimes we get in life where it was almost as if the Lord Jesus was speaking to her directly. And she's saying, how much longer do we have to live like this? And she said, and I heard Jesus whisper, well, I was born in a stable. <laughs> do you know, that's never, ever left me. That's never, ever left me. When I'm suffering and when I'm going through persecution and opposition, one of the things that helps me is to consider him. To consider him who endured such opposition so that I won't grow weary and lose heart. I need to consider him. Do you know I do that now when... what that woman said to me all those years ago still sticks with me there are still times when I might be unhappy about my circumstances and I will remember what Maggie said to me and I will say yeah Lord I am feeling a bit miserable but boy did you have it a lot worse than I did consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you won't grow weary and you won't lose heart consider him So how does it become a blessing? How does persecution become a blessing? Well, this is what Jesus says. A little bit later on in that that chapter in Matthew, when he's talking a bit more about how we act with persecution, how how we're to pray for those who persecute us, he says this. He says, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be children of the Father. Do you know what? When you face persecution and opposition, you're being a child of your Father. Because that's what He faced. In the person of the Lord Jesus, that's what He faced. And you are facing what your Father faced when He gave Him up, when He gave up His rights. Why do I give up my rights to be angry with you because you just said that and it really riled me? Or you seem to be constantly on my case. Why do I give up my rights to hold you to account? Because the father gave up his rights to hold me to account. And when I do that, I'm acting like my father. I'm being my father's son. Do you know what? There's no greater feeling inside to think, Oh, I'm acting, I'm being your son when I do this, God. I'm being your daughter when I do this. Lord, I'm doing this for you. Do you know what? This feels fantastic that I'm doing it for you. Why does Jesus say that we're blessed when we face opposition and persecution? Because we're being children of the Father. We experience what it's like to be children of the Father. What else? How else does persecution become a blessing? It brings greater intimacy with God. Why? Because when we're being persecuted, we're feeling a bit of his pain. You know what? God hurts when people are antagonistic and hostile towards him. And when we get some of that, we are feeling a bit of his pain. It helps us to understand again what he went through. For us, it helps us again to think, oh God, Lord, I'm feeling a tiny fraction. Oh, what you felt, Oh, what you went through. Oh, what you pre- were prepared to give up and lay down for me. Oh, God. Do you know why it's a blessed to be persecuted? Because it increases our level of intimacy with him. When Stephen was being murdered when they were throwing the stones at him it says that he saw Jesus standing there at the right hand of God do you know that when we're persecuted when persecution comes it's an opportunity for us to see him more to view him more it's like he opens up an extra portal of heaven for us to see him the apostles rejoiced at being counted worthy to be suffering for the name. Isn't that something? They came out of prison having been flogged and they rejoiced at being counted worthy to have suffered for the name. Why did they do that? Because these were the guys that had seen what had happened to Jesus and had met the resurrected Jesus. So do you know what? Now they're not worried about that anymore because they know what's coming. They've seen what he went through and they've seen what happened and they've know what's going to happen to us. Oh, it's a whole new perspective on it. Now they're rejoicing because they oh, we've been counted worthy to suffer for the same name. It's wonderful. That's why Jesus said it's blessed. You're blessed if you're persecuted. There's great reward waiting. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Do you know, sometimes we lose sight of the treasure that's being stored up for us up there. The Bible talks about it all the time. It talks about treasure that we're laying up for ourselves up there. We mustn't forget it. Your salvation is utterly secure and safe. No one can snatch you from him. Once you have received Christ as your saviour, no one can snatch you from him. But your reward is a bit dependent on the treasures that you're laying up in heaven. That's what the Bible says. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And Jesus says that when we're persecuted for his name, when we are persecuted because we're living right, we're laying up rewards up there. It's another chink in my money box up there when I'm living right and I'm receiving some opposition or persecution for it. There is reward for us. In this life, you will have trouble. In this life, you will face persecution. Maybe you won't face it and maybe we won't face it like some of our brothers and sisters are. But you will face it. You will hit opposition. It will be generated from the enemy. It will come from there, but he will use people as his means of bringing opposition to you. But never forget that your warfare is not against flesh and blood. What are we taught to do? We're taught to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You will face it, but you can have victory in it. And every time you are victorious in it, there's a bit more reward in heaven for you that he's storing up for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are coming to that time of year where we are remembering a persecution that we can hardly get our heads around. You, Lord Jesus, were the most persecuted man that's ever walked the earth. And you encourage us to rejoice when we're persecuted. Because we are aligning ourselves with you. Because we can expect comfort and strength from your Holy Spirit who you've sent. Oh God, help us, we pray, when we face opposition. When we face persecution, whatever that might look like. To recognize it for what it is. Lord, to even thank you for it. To stand back. And to lay down our rights to defend ourselves to wait for you to defend us to do the one thing that you tell us to do which is to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us Lord I pray for any here who, who just face that at the moment in work or in their family who things have never been quite the same since they made this commitment and it hurts and it's painful and sometimes they want to react and Lord, I pray for any here who are facing that. I pray for encouragement from your Holy Spirit for them. Lord, I pray that they will stand firm on the evil day. I pray that you will pour your love into their hearts for those who make life difficult for them. I pray for treasure, for treasure that be built up in heaven because they continue to live right before you. Lord, I ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we finish, I just said that I was going to ask John to come and lead us to pray for the persecuted church because we've talked really about persecution in terms of opposition for us, but we're also aware that our brothers and sisters around the planet face more than we are ever likely to face. And it is good for us sometimes to pray. We can't do very much else, let's be honest. There are moments when we can get behind a particular project or that type of stuff. But actually the one thing we can do is to pray. And so I'm asking you for a moment to give this your absolute best prayer. Okay, as John leads us in prayer, let's join him with it and let's give it our absolute best prayer. As we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world.
0: Also, while I lead, just everyone just pray out because it's a good thing. Um, when Phil asked me to pray, I thought of this verse Hebrews 13:3. Uh, it says, "Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body." So we we should feel it when the body is in pain, you know. Um, so let's let's pray as if we we're in prison with them. Father, we thank you so much for your church, Lord. We thank you that uh, you have called us into one body in Christ, Lord. We thank you that you have called us to be your people. But Father, we know that there is persecution beyond our understanding out in this world. Father, we know that our brothers and sisters are going through things that we have never faced, Lord. But the trials that, that you spoke about in your word, that they're going through, Lord God. And Father, we want to intercede for them right now, Lord, as your people. We want to reach out and, and call upon your name for them, Lord God, that they would be able to stand strong in their, while they're being mistreated, while they're being persecuted, while they're being killed, Lord God, for their faith. <laughs> Father, we want to commend them for their yes. faith, Lord God, Father, that they would stand yes. holy and blameless before you, Lord God, Father, that they would be able to face all that you, uh, all that is being thrown at them, Lord. Father, we want to pray for the persecutors, Lord God. Father, that those who are persecuting them, Lord, that you, you don't wish that anyone should perish, but all should turn from their wicked ways and know you, Lord God. For, so for those that are persecuting your church, I pray, Lord, you would convict them by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they would turn from their ways and that they would know you, Lord God. Father, we just want to reach out for them, Lord, Lord that we would feel what they are feeling, Lord God, as the body, Lord. When, when we are, have the strength and we have uh, the environment to be able to stand together as a church and to uh, intercede for them, Father, that they, we would not forget them, Lord God, yes. but we would, as Paul says, to remember them while they are in prison, Lord. Yes. Father, I pray for those that have been separated from their families, Lord, those that have been separated from their churches, Lord, that those that are now standing on their own in prison, Lord, those that are being uh, persecuted and they, they have no connection with your church, Lord, we bring connection now through prayer, Lord God. Our Father, that they would feel the power of your Holy Spirit right now as, as we pray, Lord God. Father, these aren't empty prayers. As, as Phil was saying, we are, we are speaking to you, Lord Jesus, who intercedes for us to the Father, Lord God. Father, we just want to lift up those in, in North Africa now that are, that are being persecuted in, in Islamic countries, Lord God. Father, those that um, are, are frightened, those that have fear, Lord, I pray that your perfect love would cast yes. out that fear, Lord. That they would know that their glory is set before them in yes. heaven, Lord yes. God. Right. That you would give them that eternal perspective, yes. Lord. Father, yes. that you would give us that eternal perspective. Father, I pray for those in North Korea right now, Lord, yes. that are, that are um, being um, killed and we're not hearing about it, yes. Lord. I pray, Father, that you would be with them. Yes. Lord, that they would know your peace in their hearts, Lord, that they would know that you are with them, that you have not forsaken them, Lord yes. God. Father, those in China, Lord, Father, I pray that you would be with them, Lord, that the underground churches that are, that are meeting um, and they are, they are reaching out to you, even though that they know that, that they could be killed for what they believe, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would strengthen them, Lord yes. God, that you would be with them. Father, we just want to thank you for those people. Thank you for their faith, Lord. We want to, we want to um, just pray a blessing on them. I pray a protection over them, Lord God. Father, I pray that supernatural things will happen to protect them and to preserve them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yes. Lord, we just thank you for those people. We thank you. I pray, Father, that, that more and more people will come to know you, Lord Jesus, through their faith. Yes. The, the persecutors that the the people that are keeping lord, them in jail lord as we read in acts of the, of the the jailers that are turned to faith because yes, of the lord. the the faith of the prisoners lord yes. god i pray father that you uh, would yeah you would turn yes. the persecutors lord that, that we would have a faith as strong as theirs lord yes. that we would um face persecution with boldness lord yes. god lord we just thank you We thank you that it's when we face persecution, Lord, and that you do not forsake us in that, Lord. Father, thank you.
1: You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our
0: vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or
1: find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.